0: listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I'm the lead pastor here and I am so excited that you carved out 25, 30 minutes and change to study God's word alongside us. We are just, for those of you that may be joining for the very first time, We are celebrating uh, one year of ministry in the state of Maine, Bangor specifically. And this is our very first service into our second year. And last service, you can check it out online, YouTube, podcast. We laid out the vision that God gave us. He gave me a word, Blitzkrieg. And Blitzkrieg essentially can be defined as when you um, attack and occupy a land. They were coming by land, sea, and air. And the Holy Spirit gave me an image of a trident. And the trident, each spear represented a specific uh, vision for our church. And that was the lost, unity amongst the church in the generations, and discipleship. And so today, I kind of want to... highlight a theme that's present throughout all of those different tips, and that is this, people. People represent the loss. It's people that we need to be discipling, and it's people that we need to be bringing together. And so if I had to title this message, um, I would title it from the uh, the late artist from the 1960s, uh, Jim Morrison, who said, people are strange when you're a stranger. Um, Strange is defined as unusual or surprising in a way that is unsettling or hard to understand. Meaning, the meaning of that song, I don't know if this is Jim's meaning, but what I got out of it as I read those lyrics was this, is that when you're a stranger, when you're a hermit, when you're isolated, then everything seems foreign and everything seems strange. We we almost go to a default where we believe the worst instead of as Second Corinthians uh, charges us to believe the best. That's what love does. And so we were meant to do life in relationship. Okay, Jesus modeled this type of life um, before us. And in Hebrews 10.25, it says this, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near. I want to highlight that. Let us not neglect. Okay, agreeing with that scripture, agreeing with that statement isn't enough. You can agree with that scripture and still neglect it. I can agree that you should eat organic and you know things not coming out of a box, that that will make you healthy, but I've neglected it in my own life, right? And so we have to take, we have a responsibility to take personal inventory and say, okay, yes, I agree with this scripture, but am I neglecting it? Am I um, inviting people into my life? And so the Bible doesn't just stop there with, with meeting together though. It takes it to another level in how when we meet with one another, How we should receive one another. In John 13, 20 says this Truly, truly, I say to you that whoever receives the one I send receives me. These are Jesus' words. And whoever receives me, speaking of Jesus, receives the one who sent me. Okay, so a lot of sending and a lot of receiving going on in this scripture, but essentially, and I love that Jesus starts it off by saying, truly, truly. So in other words, like, um, whenever you see in scripture they repeated the words, that means there was an emphasis put on it. So it would would sound something like this. If Jesus were to say this, he would say, truly, I say to you. So he, he would be getting your attention, putting strong emphasis. That's why the word is repeated. That whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And so how we receive people matters. And in fact, if you look at the the gospel of Matthew 1040 through 42, we see this same idea repeated. And it says this, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward and the one who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward and whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water because he is a disciple truly I say to you he will by no means lose his reward what is that word receive. Like, you know, you're thinking of football and somebody throws you, you're a receiver. Okay, receive means it it really can be broken down in how do you honor them? How do you treat them? How do you view them? How, How do you look at them? And so the word honor means to value. What value are you ascribing to them? And so... Jesus is breaking down the three levels of human beings that you're going to come in, in contact with over the course of your life. A prophet, a righteous person, or, you know, a little one. So what do those represent? I, nobody's wearing the title prophet or righteous one or even little one. And so it represents those that are above you in authority, Okay, so we have you know, our governmental structure, we have police officers, we have our teachers, we have our coaches, we have our bosses, people that are above us in, a, in authority. Um, people that are the righteous man, righteous person. People that are on the same level, our peers, okay? So we're in the same vein of parenting. We both have you know, young kids or we co-workers, okay? So that, that would be our peers. That's usually the, the largest base of uh, people that we have in our lives. And then the little ones, Those are the ones that are entrusted to us. Those are the ones that maybe um, that report to us at work or um, are coming to us on a mentor uh, level. It's the ones that we are investing in. And so God is telling us that how you receive these people, how you value them, has meaning. And how you value them actually shows how you value the Father. 1 Peter 2.17 says this, Honor all people. I'm going to stop right there. All. Well, what about all? Well, even if they all. Well, wait a minute. You didn't consider this. What about the people that are all? Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. So he says, Honor all people. And then again at the end, he says, Honor the king. What king is Peter talking about? Herod Agrippa II, who was murdering Christians. And Peter says, Honor the king. Now, you don't have to honor a, a law or honor a, you know, an order that doesn't align with the word of God, but the Bible says that all authority is of God. People have a super hard time with that scripture, but let me just make this distinction. It doesn't say all authority is godly. It says all authority is appointed by God. The position is of God, but the behavior may not be, okay? There are a ton of ungodly Uh, leaders all throughout. The position is from God, but the behavior didn't line up. And we don't line up with the behavior that is outside of the Word of God, but we can still honor. You want an example of that? Okay, because look, I'm I'm pressing a button right here because a lot of people have a hard time with this right now, okay? Especially if you don't agree with people that are in leadership and the way that they're The choices that they're making. Yes, you can speak out against those choices, but the Bible says to honor the king. It says honor all people. Okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow down to an idol. And they didn't say, you idiot. We're not going to bow down to that idol. We only serve the living God. They said, our king. We cannot. They still addressed him as their king. So words have meaning. And we are to honor the position, but not the dictate if it doesn't allow, or, or the order if it doesn't align with the word of God. I'm sure I'm going to get some feedback on that. But, you know, I want to, I want to share this, okay, because this is important. Honor all people. As individuals, I want to say this. You are not the church. <gasps> I'm just dropping bombs today, Okay. You are a part of the church. Just as, like, my pinky is a part of my body. If I were to sever my pinky, which is is really grotesque, and throw it on the ground, okay? Sorry for this imagery, but I have to make this point. You wouldn't say, it's Matt! You would say, it's my pinky, right? Okay, that's ridiculous, but Sometimes we, there, are, there are people in the church that think, well, I am the church, so I, therefore I can go out and, and be away from relationship. And that is just false. Likewise, you can't cut yourself off from the church or the body and claim to be the church. We need the life in, in the community of the church in our lives of the body. That's why the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of the saints. We cannot go Mad Max in our ministry, meaning off by ourself. We, when we have the opportunity to be in relationship with others. Look, can people hurt you? Absolutely. Do people suck sometimes? Absolutely. Does their behavior suck? Do they suck at forgiveness? Do they suck at uh, reconciliation? Absolutely. You bet a hundred million times. But that isn't a reason to give up on community. Jesus didn't give up on his disciples and they all abandoned him in his greatest time of need. Now, many think they abandoned him when the, when the, when the Roman soldiers took him off, but they actually abandoned him in the garden when they couldn't even stand, watch, and pray. And, and truth be told, they were abandoning. They they were... They left him in his greatest time of need, but he's still there for him. Okay? Just think of it like this: going back to the body, going back to the pinky, okay? I've bit my lip a hundred times, okay? I'm not gonna get rid of my teeth. That's stupid. Alright? So yeah, I'm angry at my teeth. They bit my lip, but I'm not gonna get rid of my teeth. So we can't get we can't get rid of people that maybe make a mistake or a misstep. We have to be able to see you know that there are evil there's evil at play and that people aren't the enemy. Okay. Because this is important. God will use you to change lives and he'll use lives to change you. Everybody wants to run after the ability to be able to change lives, but then they forget that the lives actually change them as a result of being in relationship. That's what true ministry looks like. I want to read this. Psalm 23:4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is what I want to highlight on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Have you ever taken the time, and I, and I shared a little, briefly, I shared a little bit on this, in our, in our anniversary message, but I've just been kind of camping out in this scripture, okay? When, he, when, when God says that, I will make a table, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And that word table is from the root word shalak, which means to shoot forth, to sow, to spread, and to stretch forth. Not only that, God says, I'm gonna prepare the table. I'm not just shooting forth this banquet table, but I'm going to... Prepare it with food and provision and sustenance on this table. So I want you to think of this long banquet table that he's preparing for you in the presence of your enemies. I want you to imagine it with all this food, all this water and drink. Okay, what is the purpose? The purpose is to invite your enemies to this table so that they see the communion you have with the Lord. Not only that, he says, your cup is going to overflow. Okay, take a, just take the time to think about it. If I have a cup and I'm filling your cup and it starts to overflow and you just leave it there, what happens? it makes a mess. I see it all the time. I have six kids, okay? It makes a complete mess and then I have to run up as soon as I sit down just about to eat my dinner and the kids pour their water all over. So then I got to get up a bunch of towels and paper towels and clean it up. It makes a mess. So what is God talking about? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to fill your cup to overflowing. Well, if you take that same cup and you pour it into ones that are empty. Now, you understand why God is filling you to overflowing. Now you understand the overflow concept of why God would do that because God doesn't waste anything. Remember, even in the miracle of the fishes and loaves, he had him take the baskets back around and collect it all because God doesn't waste what most of us would throw down the garbage disposal. So God isn't pouring out ble- blessing, and causing your cup to overflow, to make a mess. He's causing it so that you'll pour into others, i.e. your enemy. See, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies. I should have broke down the definition of love, but I mean, go read it in 2 Corinthians. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Do you see the progression of how he's breaking this down? Love your enemies. Uh, okay, God, I'll uh, or, or go love my enemies. No, no, bless those who curse you. Oh, bless those, okay, I'll just send them a blessing. No, do good to them. So in other words, we try to read that, maybe try to find a way to weasel our way out, like, okay, well, I bless, bless them, God, and that's good enough. God's saying, no, do good to them who hate you and pray for those who who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. You know, it's hard to hate somebody that you're praying for. It really is. And this is one of the hardest things. You know, the Bible doesn't even tell you to pray for your own mother. You should pray for your mom, but it doesn't say it, but it specifically tells us to pray for our enemies. I I wanna share this with you. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, and he has an amazing book about living in community. He said this, Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his enemies. At the end, all his disciples deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone, surrounded by evildoers and mockers. For this cause, he had come to bring peace to the enemies of God. So the Christian, too, belongs not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, But in the thick of foes, there is his commission, his work. The kingdom is to be in the midst of your enemies. I'm just going to keep reading. And he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. He wants to be among his friends, to sit among the roses and lilies, not with the bad people, but the devout people. Oh, you blasphemers and betrayers of Christ. If Christ had done that with you, you would have never been spared. Talk about a bomb being dropped. It's hard for me to read those words. That is chillingly convicting. That is hard to read. But as you read it, there's the spirit in you Knows that it's true and it aligns with the Word of God, all the scriptures that I just shared. Christianity wasn't meant to be some subculture. In other words, we find a bunch of people, group think, that think like us, that want to live like us, and we carve out a little plot of land, and that's how we live. There are some religions that do that. We're supposed to be a counterculture. We're supposed to be salt and light in the world, but not of the world. We're not running to the mountains with gasoline and ammunition. We're meant to be in the thick of it. That's the life that Jesus modeled. That's the life that the disciples modeled after Jesus left. And it led to them being martyred. But they said, it's worth it because this life is but a vapor. And I carry the words of eternal life. And now so do you. What good is it if we just share it amongst people that have already heard it? Yes, we're supposed to be in fellowship and in relationship with one another. Iron sharpening iron. But we are meant to invite our enemies to the table to share The truth of God's word, that the greatest ransom in the universe was paid for their soul. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say church. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the mission, that is the mandate that is on each and every single one of our lives. And the reality is that all of us need to get a lot more comfortable with being uncomfortable in recognizing that we no longer own our lives and that we must go in the world inviting our enemies to the table so that we can lead them to the truth of eternal life. And more importantly, lead them to Jesus who loves them, who cares for them. The gospel advances through relationship there's no other way to get around it you can you can buy every single wall hanging at hobby lobby you can tack on every bumper sticker that you want. You can repost every meme on Facebook, which by the way, please do not ever send me that one that says, if if you like Jesus, share. If you wanna burn in hell for a million years, ignore. I'm like, "What? what, who's creating these memes and why are they sharing them? It is such a poor representation of the gospel. But no, we were meant to get to roll our sleeves up, to get a little dirt under our fingernails in the messiness of life, because no one's messier than people, all right? And to, and to invest in them and in inviting them to the table. But this message, it needs messengers, that's you. You are a messenger carrying the greatest story ever told. Have you ever sat around a dinner party and there's like almost kind of like a your friends, but maybe you, you get together three or four times a year. But out of those three or four times, there's that one guy who shares the same stories every single time, right? All right. That's what it's like sometimes as we if we're only getting together with believers, we're, we're, we're sitting on the story, the greatest story ever told and we're not sharing it with people that haven't heard it. And so I encourage you to pray, to go into the secret place, to invite the Holy Spirit into there, and to highlight two people that you're going to that you're going to be more invested in their life. That you're going to invite them to church. That you're going to invite them to dinner. That you're going to make a a concerted effort to to get to know them on a deeper level. You don't have to go out and reach the masses. You know, um, I think it was a. Uh, Mother Teresa that said, if if you can't change the world, you know, if you can't save the world, save one person. And so think about those people that are in your life and make an effort to get to know them on a deeper level, sharing the truth of God's word. And I want to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you have commanded us, that you have championed us to love our enemies. Lord, that's hard. And in our own strength, it's actually impossible. But through you, all things are possible. So I ask that you would multiply your grace into each and every single person that is watching, that is listening, to go beyond their natural ability and to get a little uncomfortable so that others can get comfortable so that they can share the greatest story ever told. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.